Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And this week I'm talking with Kerry Axelrod, who became a functional medicine nutritionist after she spent a lot of her life sad, anxious, overweight and frustrated, convinced that if she just lost weight, her life would change. She spent tens of thousands of dollars on doctors, diets, supplements, medications and fitness plans, trying to find a magic pill to help her lose the weight quickly. And she believed that losing weight would cure her crippling anxiety and fatigue and lift her depression. Well, she actually discovered something completely different that transformed her life. Gut health. And this is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. We'll get to our chat in just a minute. But first, I just wanted to tell you that if you're looking for some free resources about cutting sugar and also about cravings and how to get rid of them, then download my five tips for getting rid of cravings, especially if you're an intermittent faster and you realize that sugar's getting in the way of making your intermittent fasting lifestyle easy and natural, then go to aftersugarclub.com and download your five tips for getting rid of cravings there. You can also get more free tips and insights on the Life After Sugar Facebook page, the Life After Sugar YouTube channel, and come and subscribe to my Instagram account at MyLifeAfterSugar, where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, and sometimes pictures of our cat Gaston, so that you can see that it's totally possible to live a fun and active life, even if you don't eat sugar. All right, here's my chat with Kerry about anxiety and gut health. All right, so I'm here talking with Kerry Axelrod today. And Kerry, just before we talk about our subject today, which is really based around anxiety and gut health and sugar, I'd like to know a little bit about your background with relation to sugar, not professional, but your personal story with sugar. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Um, So I am a functional medicine nutritionist and I help women get to the root cause of their gut issues and their mood symptoms once and for all, Um, really focusing on the gut brain connection. So my relationship with sugar personally, I think that that is a great question. Um, I think it's one where we're distant friends. Hmm. That's where, a great way of putting it. <laughs> um, where, you know, once in a while, it's great to see a friend, um, but that that friend is not a, an everyday part of my life. And why not? 
Yeah. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit today that I'm particularly interested in um, ways in which diet and lifestyle uh, improves mood. And that's not to say mood, uh, diet and lifestyle are the only factors that contribute to mood, but they are certainly um, intricately linked. And there's a, a strong connection between um, regulating blood sugar and particularly anxiety. And so both personally and professionally, I'm always um, sort of mindful of uh, eating in a way that supports overall blood sugar regulation. Yeah, yeah. And have you yourself had issues with anxiety, depression, and those kinds of situations yeah. or conditions? Yeah, of course. And I talk about this um, pretty openly that um, if you knew me 10 years ago, my life actually looked very, very different uh, than what it looks like today. Um, 10 year, years ago, I was actually working in presidential politics um, here in the United States. Um, and I spent a lot of time on the campaign trail and my life really revolved around work. Um, and my mental and physical health really suffered as a result of the lifestyle that I was, I was leading. So, um, I say, you know, it was 10 years ago, but for a decade, I really struggled with, um, anxiety, depression, and really crippling panic attacks at the end. Um, there were days where, although, you know, on the outside, I have the, had this wonderful job that, you know, I had worked most of my young professional life to accomplish and looked really successful on the outside. You know, there were days that I had so much panic and anxiety that I struggled to get out of bed. There were meetings that I would have to get on the train for, and some meetings I would just have to cancel because I had so much anxiety and panic that I couldn't even um, get on a train. And so, you know, that sort of uh, kicked off this inquiry. I'm just a curious person by nature. Um, and I, you know, really had to ask myself the question of why am I so anxious? Um, and, you know, unfortunately I really wasn't getting any answers from the conventional medical, uh, setting and in, in any way, um, you know, I was, um, just told that I had anxiety or I was just told that I had panic disorder or that I was just depressed. Um, but you know, I was given many options for experimental medications. I was giving many options for um, antidepressants, but not a single person ever asked me about what my stress level was like. Not a single uh, healthcare professional asked me what the heck I was eating. Not a single healthcare professional asked me, you know, how much caffeine that I was, I, I was drinking at that time. And, you know, all of those things, you know, the caffeine intake was really high to keep up with my high stress life. The, you know, my diet was crap. Um, and, uh, my lifestyle was honestly a wreck and, uh, I'm not here to sort of over, uh, simplify, um, any type of, of mood disorders or, um, mood symptoms. And that I, I honestly do believe that, um, medication can have a time and a place. And I'm very open that uh, at, at times in my life, uh, medication, I believe saved my life. Um, but 
that's not to say that there isn't actually strong scientific evidence as well to point to that diet and lifestyle really do play a role in, in sort of underlying mood conditions, especially, uh, gut health as yeah. well. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now you're getting into it. <laughs> so <laughs> that was uh, kind of my personal background. That's your personal background. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that. And I certainly can. And I just want to just touch on what you were saying about the questions in the medical establishment that were asked or not asked, actually. And that seems to be a recurring theme when I talk to my guests on this podcast, where they have a whole different range of what they're suffering from, you know, anxiety, depression, or autoimmune, or whatever. And I, I asked them, so did anyone in the medical establishment ever ask you what you're eating? Or, you know, you mentioned caffeine, and, and I would also underscore sugar. And invariably, invariably, the answer is no, nobody asked me that question. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so we didn't, we didn't talk about a lot about my training, but, you know, I have both training as a registered dietitian in the healthcare setting, um, as well as numerous advanced trainings in functional medicine and functional medicine, nutrition. And so given my training in healthcare as well, which obviously came after my political career. Um, I do have a lot of reverence for both the human body and reverence for the healthcare system. And, um, I think that the healthcare system, especially in the U S can be really demonized. And I, you know, I'm certainly not a, a huge fan of my treatment in any way, shape or form, but, um, I think there are a lot of healthcare professionals doing the best that they can. And unfortunately, our, the healthcare system has become so specialized um, and so granular that no one's actually looking at the big picture. And I see this with clients all the time that they've gone to every type of specialist possible, um, but they've got, you know, chronic pain, they have gas, they have bloating, they have constipation, loose stools, anxiety, um, headaches, acid reflux. Um, and they've gone to every type of specialist possible and had every type of test run. Um, and you know, they're, they've heard your labs are normal. There's nothing wrong. And, you know, they're in their head and this happened to me as well, that, you know, you're in your head, you're like, there's nothing about the way that I feel is normal. Um, and I think that that is a byproduct of, uh, uh, a system that's become so specialized that, you know, there's no sort of look at, uh, what I consider a whole person approach. Um, and symptoms that fall out of the, a narrow range of expertise are sort of just referred out or ignored. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, I forget what your original question is here, but, um, <laughs> it wasn't so much of a question yeah. as, as the recognition that the but, right yeah. types of questions are not often asked yeah. by medical or health professionals. And so, we patients are kind of left out in the cold um, being told no everything's normal and yet we feel like crap 
Yeah. And I think that that, you know, that's sort of what drew me, especially into the functional medicine realm, which is, you know, what I really consider being able to connect the dots um, and being able to look at someone and their whole sort of set of symptoms, their entire experience of their life and begin to put the pieces together. Yeah. And a lot of that actually does involve looking at uh, labs that have already been run and just looking at those labs through a different lens um, so that uh, I can help someone become well and uh, help someone, you know, get to the actual root of symptoms. Um, and that's ultimately what helped me get better. And so, you know, that's how sort of the trajectory of how I entered it, this into um, professional life and establishing a private practice. Fantastic. Yeah. And functional medicine saved my life as well. Functional nutrition, definitely. So let's zoom in about anxiety mm-hmm. and how people cope with it and what relation or what link it has to gut health. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Of course. So first, I, I, I don't think that you just have to cope with anxiety. I actually think that you can solve anxiety, which is, I know, um, if, um, if you're listening and you're like, I've been struggling with anxiety for 20 years. And sometimes when someone says that you can actually solve it, it can be really jarring because that experience is very different than, um, a lot of what we've been told, right you know, the, the programming and the, the healthcare system. And a lot of what we've been told is that, you know, kind of the best you can do is manage anxiety, but that's not actually a, what I believe it's not actually uh, always supported by the science. And it's certainly not what I see um, every single day in, in my clinic, in my, in my private practice. And so um, I'm here to uh, help who's ever listening, uh, rewrite that story that it's just has to be something that you cope with. So and talk a little bit about the uh, gut-brain connection as it relates to anxiety. So the way I, I, I look at the gut-brain connection is the gut and the brain are actually connected in three separate ways. So there's a physical connection, there's a chemical connection, and then there's an emotional connection as well. So your gut actually contains... Um, about 6 million neurons, some, some research is, is saying 3 million, some research is saying 6 million. So, you know, um, somewhere in between there, but it's actually the largest collection of neurons in the human body. So there's a, clearly a strong physical connection between the gut and the brain. Um, and then the largest way that that physical connection happens is our vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve, you can think about as a two-way superhighway. It starts actually, the vagus nerve starts in the back of the brain cell, uh, the brain stem, and it travels throughout, throughout your body and actually unravels in your gut. Um, and the vagus nerve is responsible for sending communication back from um, between the gut and the brain. And uh, it's a, it's a two-way superhighway, but the most interesting part to me is, is that um, more signals are actually sent from the gut to the brain than the brain to the gut. Um, and so the vagus nerve is responsible and, and helps with processes uh, such as digestion, but it also helps regulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest nervous system, which is the, the system that we want to be in, um, both for optimal gut health 
um, and for um, our, our mood and overall nervous system regulation. So that's sort of the, the physical connection there. Um, and then, then I think about the chemical connection between the gut and the brain as well. And so um, we've got gut bacteria in our large intestine that is um, responsible for uh, creating some of our neurotransmitters. So I don't think about neurotransmitters just in the, the typical sense of, um, you know, helping regulate our mood, but neurotransmitters are also uh, in part responsible for uh, digestive processes. So they're responsible for contractions of the colon and uh, actual digestion. Did you have a question? Well, it's, I'm fascinated. I don't <laughs> okay. have a question. I'm just like in awe of your knowledge. Okay. And then this is so interesting. And I, I, I just want to um, kind of really explain this because every time I explain these different connections, I, it, I hear a lot and I get a lot of feedback about how sort of impactful um, this is. The other really important part of that, that chemical connection is um, amino acids are also the building blocks of neurotransmitters amino acids uh, are what is broken down by protein. Um, the protein that is in, in, in our body and also the protein that we, that we consume. And you actually need um, specifically optimal stomach acid in order to properly break down protein into um, amino acids. And in many, many of my client cases, and if uh, many people, yeah, you too, many people who are struggling with gut health um, have improper levels of, of stomach acid. And stomach acid is actually one of the first things that I see uh, sort of go when it comes to stomach, uh, to gut health. Um, and then you can then further see, um, an impact with mood, uh, if you're not properly, uh, digesting your amino acids. The other important thing is, is that, um, in order to have optimal brain health, you need to have adequate, uh, levels of nutrients, right? B vitamins, for example, are really important for brain health. And so if there's any type of gut issues going on or malabsorption going on, uh, I often see cases where, um, my clients are low in, um, the nutrients they need for, for brain health, because it, it really stemmed in, in the gut. So that's sort of the, the chemical connection at a 10,000 foot foot view. Um, and then I also think about the emotional connection between the gut and the brain. Um, and some really interesting research that's continuing to come out that, um, uh, stress is really playing a role in altering the gut bacteria. And so uh, we can see some uh, in, in some of the research now is that those who um, are under prolonged stress actually have a decrease in beneficial bacteria and an increase in opportunistic bacteria in the gut. And then I just said in the chemical connection that that uh, some of our bacteria is really important for the production of, of neurotransmitters. So, um, there's sort of this, uh, feedback loop where, um, you know, either, uh, stress and anxiety can contribute to poor gut health and then poor gut health can also contribute to. Yeah. It's like a vicious cycle isn't it? and anxiety. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that kind of really describes my lived experience before I cut sugar because it's like, yeah, it's like a vicious cycle. I didn't know anything about gut health. I certainly didn't realize that anything to do with my anxiety, I, I was depressed in my late 20s and I was medicated for that. And, and I mean, I, that, I dragged along mood swings and anxiety 
all through my 30s, into my 40s. And lo and behold, <laughs> when I cut sugar, first and foremost, and then when I added fermented foods and drinks to my diet that I make myself to make sure that they're probiotic, lo and behold, my mood evened out. And, you know, it's like everyone keeps telling me, you're so happy and smiley. And I'm like, well, you know, I have my gut to thank for that. I just want to take this little break to tell you that when I first cut sugar back in 2015, I had to do it all alone and I felt all alone and I wish there had been some kind of support and guidance for me to help me along the way. I really felt like I was the odd one out, like nobody really got why I would want to cut sugar and especially why I would continue my life without all the comfort foods that everybody loves. So I decided to create the After Sugar Club, which is a friendly private community, so that you can get my guidance and the encouragement and support of the other After Sugar Club members who get you. And twice a month I offer group check-in calls, which are live support calls on Zoom. And we get to talk face-to-face, so that you can get all your questions answered and get insight from the group and from my seven years of experience of living real life sugar-free. Plus you get 24-7 access to everything in the After Sugar Club, including simple recipes and meal ideas, quick hacks to cut sugar that you can implement today, guidance for where to find whole foods at a regular grocery store and how to save money on your grocery bill and also deep dives into sugar-free living and step-by-step ways to gradually change your relationship with sugar. And in the After Sugar Club, you'll also get information on the importance of gut health and recipes and how-to tips and videos to help you learn how to make your own fermented foods and drinks. If you're open-minded and curious and you're an intermittent faster who knows that sugar is derailing you and getting in the way of living your easy and natural intermittent fasting lifestyle, then come join us in the After Sugar Club. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button, join the club. I think the, the, um, the question about probiotics, I get a lot. Um, and I, uh, in my, in my private practice deal with, um, two different types of, of populations. I deal with, you know, a, um, certain cases where, um, some of my clients are super symptomatic with, with their gut. Um, and then I deal with, with, with clients that who, um, aren't as symptomatic in the gut, but their mood issues are, um, you know, sort of at the forefront, um, that we're, we're getting to the, the root cause of. And, um, so I think, uh, fermented foods and probiotics, uh, can be really helpful for those where the beneficial bacteria is really low because we need to to repopulate the gut. Um, prebiotics really important there too, because we've got to actually feed the good bacteria. Um, but in, uh, with anyone who is, who's really, uh, super symptomatic with, um, in their gut gas, 
bloating, acid reflux, loose stools, constipation. Um, oftentimes a fermented foods or a probiotic isn't the first, isn't the first step. We actually need to, to sort of, uh, uh, clean up anything that's going on in the gut before um, anything can actually be repopulated. So yeah, that makes total sure. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, because we, um, I don't know about the people listening, but I myself always thought that anxiety, my anxiety, my depression was a result of things out there, life out there and, you know, stress and and sort of to a certain degree outside of my control. But what I understand from my readings and what you're describing, which matches what I've read about, it's, first of all, it's not our fault that we're anxious. <laughs> it's not a question of fault. Um, but more importantly, it's inside, it, literally in our, inside our body, in our gut. It's not in our brain as much as in our gut. Is that right? Yeah, I would say that um, specifically about anxiety, it's multifactorial and it's multifaceted. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm often repeating to, to clients is that, um, you know, the root cause of symptoms is not just one thing. So when I think about the root causes of anxiety, I think about hormone imbalances. I think about, you know, gut imbalances. I think about, um, blood sugar. I think about, um, unprocessed, uh, emotions showing up as, as physical symptoms. Um, so those are just a few root causes of anxiety, certainly not, um, you know, a, a comprehensive of list. So, you know, if, if, if someone's out there being like, that's not my root cause, you know, that's okay. It's not a, a sort of comprehensive list in any ways, but you know, those are sort of the main root causes of anxiety that I'm, that I'm seeing. And so often it does take a combination of, um, uh, a root cause approach with, uh, the physical body, as well as a root cause approach with the mental and the emotional body as well. Um, and what I say is, is that sometimes that mental and emotional work, uh, can actually be much harder than, uh, the, the physical root causes. Um, because, you know, to truth be told, sometimes getting rid of, of someone's, you know, gut symptoms is the easiest work that I do, because once you kind of understand the labs and the science, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty easy there. But, um, uh, the mental and emotional work actually asks us to repattern, um, the, the beliefs and the lifestyle and the habits that, um, uh, helped contribute to where we are now. And I just want to make a huge disclaimer that, um, oftentimes habits and, um, patterns that got us to where we are, were actually really protective and helpful at one point. Um, but you know, may not be serving us any longer. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total, total sense. Yeah. And when we talk about root cause, right. Is that, um, can we compare that with sort of the more traditional approach? And again, I'm not dissing modern medicine yeah. anyway, but I'm just, you know, remarking upon the fact that the more traditional approach in Western medicine is to look at the symptoms. And it's relatively rare that I've come across more traditional medical approaches that look at a, a holistic 
point of view, like you say, the whole body experience, and B, the root cause. So how, like, how do you address the root cause rather than just the symptoms? Yeah, um, I think you're spot on with that. Um, in that, you know, a, a Western medical approach to mood and gut is, um, oh, you've got these symptoms. Let's figure out how we just squash the symptoms. Let's figure out, you know, how we just eradicate your symptoms, which, you know, in some, in some cases, um, that is actually the best approach, um, to, to, to take, you know, if there is an active disease state, then, um, I can't recommend Western medicine enough, right? You know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about inflammatory bowel disease or, or something along, along those lines, um, which, you know, I see in my clinic as well. If, if, you, if someone's listening and you're in an active IBD um, flare, please go to the doctor. Um, that is actually the, the best approach for you. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, so that's really what, what I consider an acute situation. Um, you know, most of the time I'm dealing with chronic, which means, um, someone's been experiencing these symptoms for years and years and years, um, where, um, so you've got to ask the question, why are, why am I experiencing these symptoms? And, um, I really look at symptoms as the way in which your body is speaking to you. And so, um, you know, sometimes it just starts as a whisper, um, you know, maybe like a little ache and pain or a, a little bit of a stomach ache, um, or a little bit of anxiety. And, um, I think we're so programmed to, uh, ignore what's going on in our body and almost disassociate from our own bodies. Um, and, you know, be like, you know, it's not that bad, um, uh, you know, this doesn't need my attention. And the longer we sort of ignore those whispers, the louder and louder and louder our, our symptoms go. And so um, in order to really get to the root cause of symptoms, I'm looking at uh, functional medicine lab testing, which is um, going to be a little bit more advanced than the traditional blood work panel that you're getting from your doctor. I think uh, that blood work panel when looked at through optimal ranges instead of normal ranges is actually extremely helpful and can give us um, a good clue as to what's going on as well. So I don't want to dismiss blood work, um, but really looking at stool tests, really looking at advanced hormone panels, looking at what's going on with your adrenal glands um, and the uh, type of uh, and state of your actual stress response. Um, nutrient panel. So looking at the overall state of nutrients and making sure that your body actually has the raw materials it needs to, um, carry out the, the processes that you need for your, your brain health. Um, so that's really the, the data that I'll look at in terms of, um, helping someone get to the root cause of their symptoms. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. You really get into the nitty gritty details of what's going yeah. on for them that's wonderful and yeah. can we because this is the life after sugar podcast yeah can we circle back and can I ask you well what does this have to do with sugar yeah so blood sugar 
um, plays a big role in anxiety. And um, I think the connection between sugar and anxiety has sort of gotten a bad rap because it's been oversimplified. Um, but there is a physiological process that happens in the body when blood sugar um, is unmanaged. And um, I'm not just talking about diabetes and I'm not just talking about pre-diabetes. I'm, I'm actually talking about the sort of average American, average diet um, that uh, is sort of sending our blood sugar on a roller coaster and that is, that is out of control. And so um, when blood sugar rises, because we've had a meal that's um, too high in glucose and uh, lower in protein and, and fat, um, blood sugar rises. And then our body, uh, blood sugar, like the body doesn't want high glucose levels in, in the blood. Um, it's going to do everything it can to remove that glucose, those, that high level of glucose, um, in the blood quickly because the body can't use glucose that's in the blood. It needs to go into the cells. Um, it needs to go to the brain. It needs to go to the muscles. And so, uh, the body's going to release a lot of insulin to bring that glucose down and get it to where it needs to be. And so when a lot of insulin re is released, then we can see uh, a huge drop in blood sugar. And so when blood sugar drops really low, your body also starts to freak out because your brain needs glucose in order to survive. Um, so then, uh, your body begins to recruit, um, you know, other, uh, hormones in the body to send that glucose back up. Uh, one of the, one of the hormones that is released is, um, adrenaline, uh, cortisol is released in order to get that, uh, glucose back up. Well, adrenaline, cortisol, those are your, what I say, freak out hormones. Those are your stress hormones. Those are the hormones of anxiety. And so you know, every day we're going through these huge blood sugar swings where our body is um, pumping out a lot of insulin and then pumping out a lot of stress hormones to sort of get our blood sugar back up. We're drinking a lot of caffeine to overcome that, that low blood sugar. Um, and honestly, it's just a recipe for anxiety. So I mean, we can't necessarily make that kind of causal relationship between, you know, sugar, blood sugar levels and anxiety, but there is a correlation between them. Is that right? Yeah. So um, when blood sugar goes really low, you're going to crave the simplest forms of, of carbohydrates, because those are the carbohydrates that your body can actually break down as quickly as possible to get that glucose level back up. Your body is going to tightly regulate its glucose levels, um, and do everything it can to get your glucose back up into, into those ranges, because unless you're in actual ketosis, which the brain can, can run on, um, 
then your brain is running on, on glucose and the body's going to do everything to, um, help your, you know, your brain survive. That's like the first kind of line of, uh, line of defense. And so one of the, um, sort of physiological byproducts of that is a craving for the quickest forms of, of carbohydrates. And so that, you know, that's candy, that's Coke, that's, um, you know, pastries, um, whatever is going to break down really quickly and, and get into the bloodstream. Yeah. Yeah. And that is also the lived experience of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people yeah. that will say, Hey, that's me. Yeah. Cause it certainly was me as well. Yeah. And so in your professional opinion, yeah. what are like the best ways for us um, to a look after our gut health and B, um, not just manage our anxiety, but as you say, find a solution for it. Yeah. So there are a couple of places that I really recommend starting. So we, we didn't talk a lot about lifestyle today because there's always so much to get into, but, you know, one of the easiest and free ways to begin to, um, help your gut health, align hormones, um, align your mood with the natural processes that your body needs is, uh, regulating light exposure. And so that can be as simple as getting up and getting outside within one hour of waking. Um, it's going to regulate your serotonin and your melatonin, um, it is your gut bacteria is also has a rhythm. Your, your eating uh, cycle and your body also has a rhythm. And so you're just going to align, uh, better align your life to the uh, rhythm of your hormones and the rhythm of, of your gut bacteria. Um, so getting outside one hour of waking and then um, turning off technology and bright lights one to two hours before bed. Yeah. So that, yeah, is, that is such a challenge. It's such a challenge, but it makes the world of difference. Um, and especially that, um, well, well, both of them are also going to help you with your sleep and sleep is one of the most important things for rebuilding hormone health, um, regulating your adrenal glands, um, repairing gut health, stabilizing mood. Um, and I know sometimes like, um, it gets like an eye roll because, um, you're like, that can't actually be it. Like, it's not that simple. And I'll just go back to my, my point before that. It's not just one thing that it's habits that are built, you know, together and over time that helps you repair health. Yeah. It helps you get into a place of, of health. So I don't want to say like, you know, just getting eight hours of sleep is the only thing that you need to do to get to the root cause of your anxiety or, you know, repair gut health. Cause that's not it at all, but it it's a combination of these, of these factors. And so yeah. light sleep. And nice. then I say the other foundation is, is really making sure that you're regulating blood sugar. Oh yeah. Light sleep, regulate your blood sugar. In other words, keep that sugar in intake to an absolute minimum you know without necessarily cutting out every single source of sugar including you know fruit and whatnot it's just keeping it stable yeah I mean 
I, you know, I have a philosophy that the diet that you need to help you heal may not be the diet that you need for the rest of your life. And so, um, I believe that really a whole food diet that has adequate amounts of protein, um, has adequate amounts of healthy fat and has adequate amounts of fiber in the form of colorful fruits and vegetables, you know, is the a diet that unless you're working with a a practitioner would be, you know, a general diet that I'm comfortable with, you know, having uh, many people follow. Um, and um, that's not to say that at any point in your life that, um, you know, there's no room for, you know, processed sugar. Um, but I do believe that in a healing phase, if you're, if you're actively, uh, having symptoms every single day that, um, that you do need to focus a little bit more on diet. Um, the number one mistake that I see in my practice with women is not consuming enough protein. I don't think I've ever worked with a, with a client who comes in and is, um, consuming enough protein to start. Um, and oftentimes healing the gut and getting to the root cause of anxiety, you actually need more protein, um, in the beginning than, um, than you would need sort of longer into, into healing. Yeah. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yes. And so to finish off, I would say, this is what I often say to, um, you know, members of my after sugar club and in the life after sugar program, I say, you know, real life happens whether or not you eat sugar. Yeah. And so you can't get rid of the stress and the anxiety out there, but you can learn ways, including cutting sugar, to deal with them in a healthy manner in here. And I'm pointing inside of, inside of my body, you know? And so it's not like because you cut sugar or because you look after your gut health, it's not like suddenly you're living in unicorn land. It's real life. It carries on, but you're better equipped to not just deal with it, but actually flourish. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I also think that um, the more you can learn about regulating blood sugar and building a plate that contains protein and healthy fat and and fiber and, you know, a little bit of non-starchy carb or excuse me, a little bit of starchy carbohydrates as well. Um, that actually balances your, your blood sugar, the less that processed sugar actually becomes a thing, the less you're actually thinking about not consuming processed sugar because your body just doesn't crave it in the same way. And so learning how to eat, to balance your blood sugar is key for mood. It's key for gut health. It's key for hormones, but it just be like the processed sugar becomes less of a thing because your body isn't craving that quickest form of, of carbohydrate. And I see that it's not only supported by the science, but I see that in practice, um, every single day. And, you know, the processed sugar doesn't even really become much of a conversation with clients because, um, they're just not craving it in the same way. Yeah, it's off their radar. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Kerry, so much for talking to me. Of course.
Thank you for having me. Well, 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 what a fantastic chat with Kerry. And if you think that gut health is like a new thing, a new fad, then that's a good thing in my opinion, because even if gut health has always been important, right back to when Hippocrates said that all disease begins in the gut, well, if you have the impression that you keep hearing about gut health now, then that means it's being talked about more and more, and that's fantastic. And I think we need experts like Kerry and functional medicine nutritionists who get the connection between the gut, the brain, and sugar. I know that when I cut sugar and started looking after my gut health by eating fermented foods and drinks that I learned to make myself, well, my mood stabilized and I got relief from four decades of anxiety and depression. So maybe for you, cutting sugar, first of all, and adding fermented probiotic foods and drinks to your diet to look after your gut health could have the same effect. Try it and see. And if all this sounds a bit scary and intimidating and daunting for you, I get it. It's a huge change in your life to cut sugar and processed foods and to learn how to make your own fermented foods and drinks in order to look after your gut health. That's a huge deal. Which is why I'm inviting you to join the After Sugar Club so that you can get the step-by-step guidance you need so that it doesn't feel like a huge mountain that you have to climb. In fact, in the After Sugar Club community, you'll actually find that we have fun. Did I just say that we have fun cutting sugar? Yep. That's what sets the After Sugar Club apart. It's not a heavy, serious place to be with lots of rules and do's and don'ts and foods that are allowed or not allowed. It's a freeing, joyful place to get all the support you need to live your healthier lifestyle without needing or missing sugar anymore. The After Sugar Club is always open for you. Join us today. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the big green button, join the club. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.